Welcome to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. It is almost Halloween as I'm recording this, and today I'd like to take you on another 8-bit flashback with one of my favorite games from the era of the original Nintendo Entertainment System. As always, the video of this episode can be viewed on Point of Insanity Game Studios' YouTube channel. And if you are watching the video and want to listen to the audio later, you can catch it at poigamestudio.podbean.com. Sometimes, a video game can remind us of certain events or certain periods in our lives. For me, Castlevania III Dracula's Curse for the NES always reminds me of Halloween. It's not because the game features Dracula, zombies, skeletons, and other things that go bump in the night, but it's because I remember buying it at my local department store in late October back when I was in high school. Ever since, it has become a game that I associate with this time of year. I have many fond memories of this game. From the opening movie-style scroll onward, I was hooked. And Castlevania 3 still stands as one of my favorite Castlevania games, as well as one of my favorite video games in general. I have been a fan of the Castlevania series from the beginning. The first game captivated me with its eerie backgrounds and memorable music score. Simon Belmont's journey took him from the castle entrance to an underground dungeon to the final confrontation with Dracula in the clock tower. The stages were colorful, and the backgrounds were very detailed for their time. We also came face-to-face with classic movie monsters like the Fishmen, a nod to the creature from the Black Lagoon, Medusa, Mummies, Frankenstein monster, and even the Grim Reaper. These foes have become staples in the series and have served as bosses and enemies in most of the later games. Castlevania's sequel, Castlevania II Simon's Quest, was very different from the original. This time, Simon was no longer confined to the castle as his quest took him through forests, swamps, and ruined mansions as he tried to find Dracula's body parts. I enjoyed the non-linear nature of the game, as well as the ability to keep an inventory of items. Some of the weapons from the first game reappeared, including the throwing dagger and the holy water, though we did also have some new weapons as well. Uh, Not only could Simon get a regular throwing dagger, but he could also get a gold dagger and a silver dagger. He also had access to a holy flame and a diamond weapon that bounced around. The role-playing aspects were a nice addition as Simon needed to level up and also he needed to try to get useful information from the residents of the various towns he visited. The game could be hard to navigate though, 
as there wasn't a map of any sort. In addition, many of the town folk either told lies or made no sense due to poor translation. Looking back, all I can say is thank goodness for Nintendo Power Magazine, or many of us probably would have never made it through the game. Castlevania 3 took some of the aspects of the first two games, though this time we would not be playing as Simon Belmont, but rather his ancestor Trevor. The game looked and felt very similar to the original with its colorful, detailed backgrounds and a focus on action as opposed to exploration. Now this was a welcome change, as I always felt the backgrounds for Simon's Quest were rather bland when compared to the first game. Trevor also had access to the same sub-weapons as Simon did. Daggers, axes, holy water, the stopwatch, and the boomerang. Unlike the first game though, Dracula's curse was not as linear. At several points during the game, the player had the option to select which route he wanted to take to the castle. This feature allowed the player to come into contact with one of three different allies, referred to as spirits in the instruction manual. This also did add some replayability to the game, because you could select a different companion with each playthrough, or even try to go at it with no companion at all. Your choice of your companion also had the benefit of making some stages significantly easier and gave you a different ending as well. Now, of course, the multiple endings were not unique to Castlevania 3, as we did have different endings in Castlevania 2 as well, though in that game, the ending you received actually depended on how long it took you to complete the game, as well as I believe how many times you died. If you took too long to complete the game, for example, Simon ended up dying of his wounds from his battle with Dracula, whereas if you completed it in just the right amount of time, Simon would end up surviving. The first companion you can encounter is Grant Dynasty. He was imprisoned by Dracula at the top of the Clock Tower of Untimely Death and transformed into a monstrous reflection of himself. He moves faster and can jump higher than the other characters, and he also has the ability to climb walls, allowing him to access areas that other characters can't, as well as take some time-saving shortcuts. Best of all, he does have some control over where he lands when he jumps, whereas when the other characters jump, you don't have any control, so it makes you have to be a lot more careful with those characters when you're trying to tackle some of the platforming sections. Sadly, that is all he has to work with. His melee weapon is a dagger that has a very short range and can't be powered up like Trevor's whip can. 
For some weapons, you can only use the axe, dagger, and stopwatch. Also, he does take one extra point of damage from enemy attacks. Despite this, though, I think he is the best of the three companions. His speed and climbing ability more than make up for his lack of offensive options. Next is Sifa, a witch with power over the elements. She set off to fight Dracula, but was defeated and changed into a stone statue. She is freed after Trevor defeats the Cyclops, and she joins them as they set sail to Dracula's castle on the haunted Ship of Fools. Like Grant, she is not physically strong. Her staff inflicts the same damage as Grant's dagger, though a little bit better range, and not only that, uh, since it goes in an arc, it's a little bit better at deflecting projectiles. Also like Grant, she does take an extra point of damage when hit. Now in addition to the stopwatch, she does have three unique sub-weapons. These are spell books that give Sypha the ability to attack with fire, ice, or lightning. While her physical attack is weak, her magic is very powerful and can make some boss fights much, much easier. Finally, we have Alucard. Sadly, he is nowhere near as awesome as he was in Symphony of the Night. Instead of using a sword, he attacks with projectiles, which are referred to as Balls of Destruction in the game's instruction manual. His attack can be powered up, which allows him to throw up to three projectiles. Sadly, his Balls of Destruction inflict the same amount of Trevor's whip when it is unpowered, so it is really only effective if you can hit the opponent with all three of the shots at once. Even worse, he can't attack when on stairs, and he can only use the stopwatch for his sub-weapon. He can, however, turn into a bat, which does allow him to take shortcuts like Grant can. However, this ability does drain hearts rather quickly, and getting hit by an enemy turns him back to his human form. Overall, he can be a challenging character to use. I think Dracula's Curse stands the test of time with its multiple endings, incredible soundtrack, and well-designed stages. However, you do need to have a certain level of tolerance for frustration that comes when playing some of the games from this era. I wouldn't quite go so far as to call Castlevania 3 NES hard, but it is definitely challenging in several areas, especially as you start to get to the later levels, as in some places you do need to have very good timing to make the jumps. 
this is very true in the clock tower stage. Now the clock tower stage is unique because you actually have to play through it twice. Once going up, and then you have to play the same stage in reverse, going back down, which is a lot more challenging than expected. There are also many places where enemies are strategically placed to knock you into a pit or onto a bed of spikes. The game can also be extra challenging when playing as Grant or Sifa because you need to be mindful of the extra damage those two take when struck by enemy attacks. And if you're playing as Alucard, you also need to remember that he's basically defenseless when on stairs. So, like any game that does have multiple playable characters, you do really need to learn how to work with each character's strengths and weaknesses. As I said before, the companion that you're with can make certain stages a lot easier, but it can also make some stages a lot more challenging. Dracula's Curse is definitely on my list of games that I recommend you check out if you have the chance. Now, a physical copy of the game can go for about $20 or more on the secondary market, but you can pick it up from Nintendo's eShop for about $5. It is definitely worth a look if you do enjoy the retro-style side-scrolling games. So with that said, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Geekery in General. Hope you enjoyed the 8-bit flashback. And have a good evening, or morning, or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming, and happy Halloween.